it's one of my pet peeves that a lot of you know <laughs> social media gurus will say, oh my God, everybody should be using Twitter. Everybody should be on Facebook. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, listener. Welcome back to Traffic Jam. You are tuned into episode number 21 of the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads and sales from your website and ultimately build a profitable audience online. Now, today I'm going to go pretty lean on the preamble and dive straight into the interview. So allow me to start this episode by introducing my guest today. Her name is Melanie Duncan. She lives in New York and runs online businesses that generate over $2 million in annual revenue. She's featured on major television shows like ABC's Good Morning America and NBC's The Nate Berkus Show. And of course, now she gets to complete her set as today she'll be appearing here on Traffic Jam. Aside from being passionate about teaching others how to create success and freedom online and a love for travel, cooking, fashion and design, Melanie is a specialist in Pinterest traffic. The Traffic Jam podcast with James Reynolds. So our feature interview today is all about Pinterest. We're talking about how to use Pinterest, tips for creating effective pins that drive traffic, the boards that you absolutely got to have in your account, where to send Pinterest traffic and why, plus a whole lot more. Now, of course, the interview is coming right up next, but don't go anywhere after that because I'll have a whole load more traffic grabbing tips and news in the one minute traffic tip, this week's news in traffic. And of course, we'll play out the show with the traffic jam jam. Okay, so let's now go to today's interview all about powerful Pinterest marketing with Melanie Duncan. Okay, so this is Traffic Jam episode number 21 and joining me today is Melanie Duncan, who I'm hoping will teach you a few things that might just give you the edge with your Pinterest marketing. Melanie, welcome. Thanks for having me, James. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. and I'm going to ask a, a question right up here at the start. You've got a program called Power of Pinning, which claims you can double your traffic and sales from Pinterest in less than a week. Sounds like a big claim. Can it really be done? Well, it absolutely can be done. You know, Pinterest is an absolute traffic driving powerhouse. And whether you are a male or female marketer, if you have the right type of business and you understand you have a little bit of the correct marketing foundation, um, really increasing your traffic very quickly is entirely possible. Excellent. Good. Well, it sounds like we got the right person on the call. Um, I want to talk about having the right business as a as a follow up question. I've heard you say that personal brands and service businesses can quite often do more interesting stuff and often be more effective with Pinterest than product businesses. Now, I'm intrigued by this because I'm a service business owner. So I think I've got some questions around that to move on. Um, and perhaps to kind of frame this, maybe we can use my own business as a kind of virtual case study. 
absolutely. So give you a background. My business offers search engine marketing services. We help business owners basically drive traffic to their sites using SEO and Google AdWords. So my question to start with is a broad one. Are my potential customers really on Pinterest researching or looking for inspiration that might influence their decision to buy something like SEO? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And I always love doing uh, podcast interviews about Pinterest because it is the ultimate challenge because Pinterest is an entirely <laughs> visual platform. So to verbally explain and illustrate examples always uh, challenges me a little bit, but we can definitely, definitely tackle that. So what I will say is absolutely that service providers, personal brands, Pinterest is a definite place you want to try. Now, I say try because Pinterest is still a primarily female-based platform, which means if you offer a service that you know women are not your ideal target, Pinterest may not be the correct place to spend your time. Now, I say, I say may not be because you see brands like HubSpot, for example. If you check out HubSpot's Pinterest page, they're doing a phenomenal job marketing marketing software, um, business resources, educational training and ebooks. So it absolutely can be done, but it's got to be in line with what your market wants and what they're currently doing online. So it's something I don't say every business is a perfect fit for Pinterest. It's one of my pet peeves that a lot of, you know, <laughs> social media gurus will say, "Oh my god, everybody should be using Twitter. Or everybody should be on Facebook." It's got to be in line with how you market your business. If you don't have any visual content and you can't possibly conceive of a way to create visual content around your brand, Pinterest is not a place you want to be spending your time. But it's surprising sometimes when we push ourselves to think outside the box. For example, like you were talking about with SEO marketing. There are a lot of female marketers, female business owners, small business owners, and also social media strategists, content creators on the Pinterest platform. So if you can create visual content around what you do, say you could create a cool giveaway of a video series and you could create an image that actually markets that. To give you a more concrete example, for my personal coaching brand, I've created a free gift, right? Something that a lot of us have on our website, maybe on our opt-in page, whether it's an ebook or a checklist or a free report, something like that. I actually created an image of that, which most of us already have if we have you know, something for free on an opt-in page. And I actually pinned that image, described you know, what the giveaway was, and I linked it. So I actually went in, edited the pin, because you can upload images from your computer. And I gave you my disclaimer. It's a little difficult to verbally <laughs> describe this versus to you show you. Well. Well, thank you. You can actually have an image upload from your computer and then you can go in and add a source link so that actually links to an opt-in page. And I've been using that to generate leads with business owners, um, giving away a free checklist of online marketing strategies or free online um, business resources or tools. And I've actually done lead generation and list building from that. So it can be done to do services, personal branding, um, lots of creative ways, but it's got to be in line with what you're willing to do. Because if you just go on Pinterest and you add a bunch of text, it's not going to be compatible with the platform. Got it. Well, I think HubSpot's a very interesting sort of case study to look at because they would be aligned to a lot of the types of businesses that perhaps our listener base here at Traffic Jam might have. Um, what sort of stuff are they doing? Are they using the kind of example you just gave of um, visualizing perhaps opt-in gifts and reports? What are those guys up to? 
Yeah, absolutely. So they have an entire board. Last time I checked, it was called Marketing Ebooks. And it was exactly what I just kind of explained to you, which is they have it full of different pins. Each pin is an image of an ebook that is on a particular topic like Facebook marketing or Twitter marketing or email marketing, anything like that. And each of the pins links to a different opt-in page where they do their, you know, normal HubSpot, the email form where you answer a couple of questions. And then in exchange for that information, they go ahead and send you that free ebook. Got it. Got it. Cool. Well, I think we've kind of covered perhaps how a service business might use Pinterest in terms of the content they prepare. How would a service business, or in fact any business, to be honest, how would they go about increasing their following? Because I'm using Pinterest reasonably actively, um, and a sort of traffic jam posts always get a piece of uh, visual content posted to Pinterest. But I try and I find it pretty hard actually to increase the number of followers on my account. What are some strategies around that? Yeah, absolutely, James. And thank you for asking that because that's something that comes up with a lot of people. And what I found is the hardest is just to get the first 100 followers. After you hit around 100, it seems to be a bit of a tipping point where it then becomes easier to organically start to develop exposure. But what I recommend everyone does, regardless of the size of your audience, is as soon as you make the move to try out Pinterest, to integrate your social media marketing. You know, if you're using Pinterest, you're probably also using Facebook or Twitter or other social platforms. And I think the biggest mistake a lot of us make is we use them isolated. And something that I've done from the very beginning is I always integrate all of my social media accounts. So if you go to my Facebook page, which is the Entrepreneurist Academy, you'll see I actually have a Pinterest tab on my Facebook page that you can get by going to woobox.com forward slash Pinterest. And I will also, since most of us have been using Facebook for longer than we've been using Pinterest, and we most likely have more followers on Facebook than we do on Pinterest, just because there are more people on Facebook and most of us have been using it for longer, building our audiences. Every week, once or twice, I will post a link with a different pin I've updated. If you want to link your personal Facebook and your Pinterest account, you can do that so your activity actually publishes on your personal account on Facebook. You can't link it to a business page yet on Facebook. But there's lots of ways to start reporting, um, you know, letting people know on Twitter, emailing your list. You know, if you've got a list, as soon as you join Pinterest and you've got some sort of a strategy behind you, which you definitely can get, like you were talking about my Power of Pinterest program, Power of Pinning, we show you that strategy. And then you want to reach out to your audience, let them know on Pinterest, let them know that you're on Pinterest and also tell them why they should follow you. It's not enough to just say, hey, I'm on <laughs> Pinterest, but are you going to be giving you know, behind the scenes access? Are there going to be special offers just for your Pinterest followers? You've got to make it some sort of an exciting incentive, but reach out to your audience, however large or small it currently is, and let them get you to that first 100 follower mark. Got it. Got it. So really what we're trying to do here is increase the amount of touch points across multiple platforms. I guess that's the real strategy here, right, Melanie? Absolutely. Great. Got it. Okay. Well, let's take the conversation a little bit further about what makes good content for Pinterest. What type of content in your experience gets the highest engagement? 
Yes. Great question. So you've heard me say it before, visual, visual, visual. Now that doesn't mean it has to be pretty, but the most engaging content on Pinterest is something that is inspiring. It is visually engaging, you know, something as simple as a basic checklist or an infographic. Anytime you can take information and put it in a visual type of, um, you know, platform that really, really seems to increase the engagement because people are in discovery mode on Pinterest. And so they're looking to discover new information, new brands, new products. And so you want to always have a very visual format, whether you're selling a product or a service. Um, But as I mentioned, things like lists, visual checklists, um, infographics, even uh, quotes, like some sort of inspirational quote or a simple tip. You don't want to have more than 10 words in an actual pin. You should have more visual uh, information than actual textual information. So keeping things very colorful, um, visually attractive design, if you can do cool typography. Um, but really, I found that checklists and also videos, you can actually pin videos from YouTube. And those seem to get really, really high engagement on Pinterest as well. Great. I was going to ask you about video. I think that's probably an untapped um, element of Pinterest. But what about sound? Because you can use even SoundCloud embeds, I think, or at least you could do at one point. How do they work? Are they effective as well? You know, that's really interesting. I have seen that a little bit, the sound embedding in different like MP3 files. I haven't personally tested that um, because, you know, really my stance on it is I'm moving towards visual content. So sound is okay, but I think particularly with a personal brand, I would always do video or something where they can be direct to camera, face to face, or I'll use ScreenFlow or Camtasia if you have a PC and I'll do little three minute clips of, you know, video tutorials or little presentations. But I don't want to miss out on the visual component since Pinterest is a visual platform. Yeah, got it. And have you got any sort of sneaky Melanie Duncan tools that are really good for creating uh, uh, pins? Well, you'll probably crack up, but one of them is entirely free and it's called PicMonkey. So it's PicMonkey.com and they do have a a paid version if you want to upgrade and get a lot of extra tools, but it's a really great uh, free program that you can use to overlay text on images. So a lot of times if I'm putting an image in a blog post or I've got a new video up and I want to overlay some text on an image, I use PicMonkey because you can add little banners, you can add text, really similar to what you could do in Photoshop or Illustrator as well. But PicMonkey's free and it's super straightforward and simple. So I'll even add buttons so you can add little shapes and I'll add clickable buttons on my images, just a circle and I'll say click here because uh, we do find that adding call to actions to the images on Pinterest increases the engagement by 80%. Love it. Love it. That's some gold there. Really great advice. Well, okay, we've covered kind of perhaps what it looks like and um, we've covered also what kind of media works. What about pin size? There's quite a lot of different formats being used by various marketers. What's most effective? Yes, absolutely. Well, we do see that pins that are taller than they are wider, so they are have more height than they do width, seems to get higher engagement simply because Pinterest doesn't limit the amount of height um, within reason. I think if you have a really tall one, they're starting to shorten them and give an expand option. But in most cases, they won't strictly limit the height. So you can get three to four times the amount of screen real estate in the newsfeed if you do taller pins. Now, 
the follow-up question everyone asked me is what is the proper pixel ratio? And if you go <laughs> and Google Pinterest, you know, pin ratio, it's changing all the time. People will say 800 by 300 or 1,000 by 228. Really what I've found, I haven't found that much of a difference in terms of little minute changes in the pixel ratio. What is most important is just that you've got the width is two to times higher than, or excuse me, the height is two to times larger and taller than the width. That way you're still getting, uh, regardless of the pixel ratio, you're still getting more uh, height in the exposure in the newsfeed. Great, great. And I guess things like infographics would probably lend themselves to that kind of format, right? Absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. Well, as you know already, I'm a SEO guy and Pinterest itself is its own giant search engine. What tips do you have to get more search traffic with Pinterest? Search is a fascinating topic to talk about with Pinterest. You know, when it first rolled out, we had follow links with everything, so it was really exciting. Then it was there were no follow links, and they were follow links again. So I think currently right now the stance is that they are no follow links uh, whenever you pin something, but they do provide some sort of SEO juice. So I make it a big strategy to always include a lot of my keywords in my board titles in the actual descriptions of my pins, I will use my keywords. And most importantly, I try and rank my actual Pinterest page for SEO juice. So I will use keywords like business, marketing, Pinterest in the about section of my Pinterest profile. Because I've found if you do enough keywords and you have enough followers and you get a bit of momentum behind your Pinterest page, it's a lot easier to rank for your keywords with your Pinterest account than maybe your website. Just because because you know the importance of a root domain. So having a Pinterest account, they already have such a nice, you know, substantial root domain. So I can get my Pinterest page ranked for things that I can't get my independent website ranked for as easily. Got it. And what about sort of search habits, if you like, of people on Pinterest itself? I mean, if someone's going into Pinterest and actually doing a search within the sort of Pinterest ecosystem, are they using the same types of keywords that they would do on a Google search, perhaps? You know, it's a little funky. We don't see that the majority of people are going onto Pinterest and using the search box heavily. The majority of people are using the platform simply by following other accounts and then seeing what is visible in the newsfeed. There's a little bit of search activity around trending topics. So say, for example, around Christmas, you're going to see people searching for, you know, Christmas cookie recipes and that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of actually understanding how to kind of game Pinterest for search results, right now there's no clear strategy of what you can do. Uh, sometimes it seems that if you've got enough repins, you'll get ranked higher for search. But searching on Pinterest as a search strategy, I don't really recommend putting too much time and effort into it until they really become a little more transparent about whatever algorithm they're going to be using for that. <laughs> Which I'm sure they probably won't do in there too right. distant future right so <laughs> i think we can forget that one <laughs> cool well you're obviously on traffic jam melanie and our focus here is teaching strategies that will increase traffic how would our listener effectively drive traffic from pinterest to their website so the best way is by having pins, like I said earlier, that have text overlay. So something I do is I create what I call teaser pins. So if I have a new blog post or a new video or you know a new podcast, something like that, an interview, instead of just uploading a basic image, what I will do is create an image with maybe five or six words that really gets people's curiosity peaked. 
So maybe it's something like the three biggest mistakes you should never make on Pinterest. And I'll create a really cool, you know, graphic on PicMonkey or Photoshop, and I'll overlay that teaser text, upload that to my computer, and link that to my blog post or link that to my video or whatever I've got on my site, my content. Because these little, these little bite-sized pieces of visual content are fantastic for driving traffic, particularly if you add, like I said, a call to action in the image. So something that it looks like a little button because when you click the image on Pinterest, that will take the person automatically to wherever that pin has its source link hooked up to. But I also, for an additional traffic driving strategy, I will add a call to action. So I tell them exactly what I want them to do. A call to action actually in my caption that text area below the image and I will say click here to learn the three biggest mistakes you should never make on Pinterest and I actually will type in the URL if you type in a URL in the caption it will be automatically hyperlinked just gives you another way for people to click and find a way to your site love it and of course I guess you get a little bit more link juice there as well right because you've got an extra hyperlink um, situated in that um, piece of content love it that's that's killer stuff. Well, I guess we should also talk about where that traffic should go to. We're, of course, sending it to our website. But what would you recommend in terms of a landing page or place to actually drive the traffic directly to? Well, the most important thing is to send it somewhere specific. You don't want to have a bunch of pins that all link to your homepage. You, whatever you are promising or talking about, if you're promoting a product or some sort of information, you want it to link directly to whatever uh, you are promising or you want it to be the most consistent experience for them as possible. So you just want it to be very consistent if you are doing an opt-in or some sort of giveaway like we talked about with an ebook or a report. You want to make sure that that then links directly to an opt-in page with a picture of that exact offer that you were offering in the pin and a few simple steps. You just, people's attention spans are short. You want to make it as direct, as easy as possible for them to, whatever the conversion is, to buy the product, to sign up for the offer, to download the ebook, just make it very quick and direct and simple. Yeah, got it. And I'm sure repeating that image on that landing page to make that visual reference to where they've come from really does help increase conversions yep great okay well i've got a few more questions for you um and the the first one is around sort of timing of when to pin is there any particular times of day that are more effective or perhaps a schedule that works particularly well of course and and this is another one of the topics where you know everyone has their own opinion some people say saturday mornings are the time with the most pinterest activity which is kind of interesting but as always, you need to test. I mean, it really depends on your audience. Just because the majority of people are on Saturday morning, you might find that your audience, maybe they're moms, and Saturday morning, they're taking the kids to the soccer game. So they're not on Pinterest. They're on Pinterest at 10 o'clock at night after the kids are in bed or something like that. You want to know when your audience is on, and you will be able to gauge that just by posting content and seeing if there's a particular day of the week or time that seems to be the most um, the most activity. But Rule of thumb standard, they say Saturday mornings, early in the morning or late at night during the week. And if you do want to schedule, there is a software called Pingraphy. And it's a paid software, but it will allow you to upload your pins in bulk, kind of like Hootsuite would allow you to do, except they don't have a Pinterest extension yet. And um, you can upload your pins in bulk for the week, schedule them out uh, at various dates and times, and they will post them for you. 
Got it. Now, would there be any repercussions with that? I mean, that would be a strategy perhaps you wouldn't use on a platform like Twitter, where people might expect a kind of immediate response. And if you're not available to do that, it looks a bit kind of antisocial, if you like. But with Pinterest, is it kind of okay to schedule those in advance? I think so, absolutely. Particularly when you look at the alternative, uh, you know, for a business owner, particularly if they are not scheduling their pins on something like Pingraphy, that means that at various points throughout their workday, which is very, very valuable time, they are then going to Pinterest, you know, doing their pin, most likely getting sucked in and distracted <laughs> when they should be doing other things. You know, the reason that Pinterest works so well for marketing is because it is very, very um, engaging. It pulls you in. So for me, I know my my temptations and I won't go on platforms like Instagram or Pinterest uh, during my crucial uh, effective hours because I got to be focused on other things. <laughs> well, I can vouch that. In fact, the lady who will be editing this podcast episode, Chow, um, I often find her getting lost in Pinterest when she's apparently researching. So she'll laugh at that when we talk about it. But it is yeah. one of those quite consuming platforms, right? You can go down a rabbit hole and find yourself sort of out the other side, maybe an hour or two later. Exactly. Great. Well, my kind of penultimate question probably is all about how to actually put the boards together. And I'm looking at the moment at your entrepreneur-s um, Pinterest uh, profile, and you've got boards here which consist of About Me. You've got testimonials there. You've got um, Melanie TV. You've got some references to the media that you've appeared in. Are there any kind of staple boards that you would suggest are, are kind of good themes for the majority of people? Or is it just literally whatever you feel is kind of appropriate or fits your brand yourself? I think there's definitely a five or 10 core boards that every business owner should have. And exactly, if you look on um, pinterest.com forward slash entrepreneurist, you'll see an example of those, which is I have a blog post board. It's literally just an index of all of the different blog posts on my site with little teaser images like we just talked about. Um, I also have different boards that will promote webinars I'm having, um, events I'm hosting. I will have boards full of testimonials for my clients. I do think some sort of TV board or some sort of video board is really cool. It kind of feels like a Pinterest video channel on your board. So whether it's content that you're curating, which is you know fantastic if it's you delivering the content, or if it's just other video content you're finding that is from other people in your industry that's going to serve your audience, having some sort of a video board. Um, press is great if you have some place to feature press or articles yeah. you've written. And I do think an About Me board is something, whether you sell products or services, you know, we all buy from people. So a board that kind of shows a little bit behind the scenes of your business and tells your story and the story of your business is effective. That's not going to drive traffic necessarily, uh, but it's a nice compliment to maybe other traffic driving content on your page. Yeah, and I'm sure those types of things would definitely build rapport and perhaps credibility as well. So I can see how they can be extremely useful. Well, Melanie, you're not just a one-trick pony. You teach more of the topics that we discuss here on Traffic Jam in your Online Edge Academy. Tell us a little bit about that program. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, my background is I've been starting online businesses, e-commerce businesses since I was in college. And uh, my first two businesses, which are still alive and well, are a custom uh, home decor company and a custom apparel company. In fact, we're uh, one of the largest Greek apparel. So for sororities and fraternities, I know it's more of a U.S. thing. Uh, but for college students, we do really uh, fun custom apparel for them all across the nation. So 
I've gotten my feet wet in online marketing for six or seven years now. And I found that there's a lot of people who need across the board information about what they should be doing online and how to integrate it all together. As many great courses there are on Facebook or on Pinterest or on email marketing, sometimes you need a broader scope how to bring it all together. So along with my husband, who has been my business partner since college, we founded the Online Edge Academy, which gives people a simple and integrated way to integrate or to use all of their online marketing together and actually get results. Sounds excellent. Well, if that's sort of piqued any ears for our listener out there, Melly, can you answer who might it be a good fit for? Any particular sort of requirements? You know, it is for people who already have a business. That is our main requirement. It's not for if you're interested in starting one or you need help selecting an idea. The Online Edge Academy is for business owners who already are generating revenue. It doesn't have to be millions of dollars, but there is some cash flow in the business because we do talk about paid uh, traffic strategies. You have to be able to have some money to put towards um, these, in, these resources and the strategies we're teaching inside the academy. So you should have a business that is generating income but it is equally as um, important for you to be either a service provider or an e-commerce or product seller. We've got experience in both. So good fit for both types of business owners. Excellent. Good. And I can see that you're probably currently closed right now, but there is a waiting list. So if anyone is interested, I guess they head on over to Online Edge Academy and register their details there. Do they, Melanie? Yes, we, we do a wait list, actually. We only launch every one or two months we open it up because we found that it's such a social component. And we have so many um, amazing business owners in there that we like people to join in groups so they don't just come into the academy and they everyone's already best friends and talk. <laughs> and they go, oh no, I'm all alone. We do it almost like a, like like Greek life, like sororities and fraternities where you have a group of people that you rush and you go into the academy together and you have people starting at the same place as you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Melanie, would you like to give any particular sort of call to action at the end of this podcast? Send anyone off to anywhere other than those places that we've mentioned during today's interview? Yes. So if you want to learn more about these strategies, learn more about how I built my multi-million dollar e-commerce businesses online, if you head to melanieduncan.com, you can sign up um, for my email list there and I send free video training every week. I also host once or twice a month, I do invitation only online free training and you have to be on that list to get the invite. So melanieduncan.com, sign up for my email list there and you will get little videos from me every week. They're lots of fun. Excellent. Melly. well, that sounds really, really good. So um, I'll ensure that those links are all placed within the show notes of today's episode, which is episode 21 of Traffic Jam. Melanie, thanks for your time today. It's been, uh, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me. This week's news in traffic. Google plans to launch new product endorsement ads which will incorporate photos, comments and names of Google Plus users who have liked the product or company serving the ads. These new ads are similar in concept to social ads on Facebook. However, they are being met with the usual resistance from those who believe that advertising such like this is an invasion of privacy and unfairly commercialises internet users' images. This week, Foursquare opened up Foursquare ads to all small businesses around the world. These new ads are similar to a Facebook or Google ad in that they feature in the Foursquare results stream and are marked with promoted and in a standout colour. 
Foursquare say, creating a Foursquare ad is super simple. All a business owner needs to do is go to foursquare.com forward slash ads and build their ad. They do that by choosing a great photo of their space and either offering a special or highlighting a great customer tip. They then set their monthly budget and push their ad live for people nearby to see. Now, if you're a business who has already tried Foursquare ads, I'd love to hear your feedback. Please post your comments about your experience with Foursquare ads over at the Traffic Jam episode 21 page. Facebook have announced that their own remarketing platform integrated into Facebook custom audiences will soon be released. Currently, remarketing to people who have visited your website or mobile app on Facebook can be done using third-party tools like AdRoll and Perfect Audience, which are connected to Facebook Exchange. Facebook say, we anticipate that marketers will use FBX, Facebook Exchange and website and mobile app custom audiences in different ways. For advertisers who have a large number of products and advertise to multiple audiences, FBX is the better solution. For businesses that don't typically work with third parties, website and mobile app custom audiences will allow them to show ads to people who have been to their site or mobile app and still use Facebook's targeting abilities. The one minute traffic tip. This valuable tip is deserving of a mention as I've been investing my time a lot in it recently. And it's something that from the outside appears difficult. However, it's surprisingly easy. And that is getting free publicity. But of course, there's no such thing as free publicity, right? Well, wrong. Getting featured on the news or in a daily newspaper can actually be quite straightforward and cost you no more than a little time and a few emails. So how do you get featured? Well, you just ask. Reporters are on the lookout for experts who can write or just provide quotes on specialised subjects. Now, I suggest you make a list of the publications that are relevant in your market and then contact each editor with your bio or profile and tell them why featuring you will benefit their publication. You can also subscribe at helpareporter.com and receive notifications when reporters are looking for a source right on deadline. Just by reaching out to reporters in the last two weeks alone, I've been featured in one of the Middle East's largest business magazines with a full page feature and on prime time TV news. So it really is that easy. That brings episode number 21 to a close. Join me back on Traffic Jam next week where I'll be talking to Rand Fishkin from Moz.com all about SEO and inbound marketing. For more tips and training to help you build your audience, check out the latest posts at veravo.com, V-E-R-A-V-O.com. To play out this week's episode, Melanie Duncan has chosen a track by her current favourite artist, Lana Del Rey. And if you watch the movie The Great Gatsby from earlier this year, then it's a track you may well recognise. The track title is Young and Beautiful. This is the DH Orchestra version, and here it is right now. I've seen the world done it all Had my kids Diamonds, brilliant and ballet now 
ways, city lights, the way you'd play with me like a child. Will you still love me? Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.